Planning a trip to one of the great national parks? L.L. Bean went to the experts at the National Park Foundation to get the inside scoop on which parks are the best to visit in each season. Whether you're looking for outstanding scenery, smaller crowds, or unique activities, L.L. Bean, be an outsider. To check out the full list of recommendations, visit llbean.com explore. Welcome to The Final Four is Not on the Schedule. I'm your host, Eric, alongside with expert analyst Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Well, hey, everybody. This is Eric alongside Rod here. And, well, today was the day that Xavier Booker was going to announce his choice for a college and not surprised to many of us insiders and I'll clue that to you that he chose Michigan State and that was the that was what we were expecting obviously but that's a really big pickup and it's become a bigger pickup I think really when you look over the last six months probably it's really on the boards as far as where he's ranking it's really changed a lot so I think this is a in addition to fears this is a really big addition to the class and it's makes the class of 2023 already pretty strong yeah it's it's a huge, huge signing, um, definitely for perception reasons, but also um, I believe it will be borne out to be a big deal actually on the court too, which might seem to be an obvious thing to say about a guy who's top 10 everywhere but ESPN and ESPN said today when they do their next set of rankings next month, he will be in the top 10 there as well. Um, but it might not seem that way because they're, for a kid ranked where he is, there are a lot of, I'm not going to call them haters, some doubters. And I get it, and we'll talk about what those criticisms are. But, man, with the supposed question marks that he has, he's going to the, the best place in the country to address those. And his strengths, if you've seen games you've seen clips of him his strengths are obvious he has tools and a skill set in combination that you just don't see very often um so yeah it's a huge deal we, we could talk about the perception stuff um a lot of loose talk about you know best msu recruit ever which is not true um best in you know 20 some years which is closer to the truth. Uh, a lot of people have forgotten that there were rankings before Rivals and 24-7 or its predecessor Scout or any of these other systems. And, you know, they were, they were used by people. Tom Izzo, in the early stages of his run at Michigan State, had some unreal classes. And when you – and I'm not trying to downplay Xavier Booker, who's a top 10 guy – consensus and probably more like a top five guy when you get down to it and may even end up as the number one guy in one set of rankings or the other before it's all done. Um, but Tom Izzo's landed. <laughs> Kelvin Torbert was of that ilk as a recruit. Paul Davis was I famously was number one at one point, at least in Bob Gibbons rankings, who was one of the more respected guys in the eighties and nineties and early aughts. Uh, Shannon Brown, 
was ranked just behind a guy named LeBron James nationally <laughs> in his class. He was a top three guy nationally. Um, so there have been guys, and Zach Randolph and Marcus Taylor were both top five guys when they were recruited. So there were a lot of guys at that early stage. The problem is that for a lot of people, if it didn't happen in the last five years, it didn't happen. So they, they forget or don't realize that this is the case. Although to be honest, I saw some national media guys like Jeff Goodman make statements that were clearly erroneous. And Jeff Goodman, I believe was around then. So he's just <laughs> stupid <laughs> or forgetful. I'll be kinder and say forgetful. I really do think he's kind of dumb, but um, people know that anyway, <laughs> I, I have not hid that opinion. Uh, anyway, to get back on point though. So, there's a lot of this talk today I've seen about, oh, I guess Tom Izzo's not washed up or washed, as the kids like to, to say <laughs> these days. Um, anybody who thought he was is a moron. Sorry. You, you out yourself. If you, if you actually thought that he had lost the will to recruit as hard as he always has throughout his entire career, if you thought he lost the ability to sell kids on his vision for them, his program, all those things, you were out of your mind. Uh, Jeremy Fears should have been an indication of that. Uh, the fact that last year he could go in on very short notice and grab Jackson Kohler, a kid they hadn't even been recruiting, and wrap it up, a, a guy who was skyrocketing in terms of the perception of his game uh, at the time Michigan State got involved, and Michigan State went in and just took him from programs that have been recruiting him for like a year. So the idea that this is somehow vindication or something Izzo needed to do to salvage the perception of where he's at, you're a clown if you thought that was the case. Nevertheless, it's always nice to successfully land a highly regarded player who's got a lot of tools and looks like a kid who should be able to step in immediately and help Michigan State. Um, so that's the perception stuff. And does that lead to other guys either this year or in, in a future season coming to Michigan State? Who the hell knows? But I, I don't think MSU's recruiting at this stage of the game is ever based on one guy. That's insane. Uh, it's about the program. It's about all the Final Fours the Big Ten title banners, the national championship, the head coach in the Hall of Fame. Those are the things that really matter. I'm not sure how much Xavier Booker recruiting to MSU is going to affect the kid in 24, 25, or 26, other than the fact that having more good players gives you a better chance to sustain your program being effective, and that is really what does it. Right, and when you look at players when they're – they want to come to your program where they're going to get visibility. You're going to get you're going to get marquee games. You're at Michigan State. You're going to have all those advantages. You're going to get maybe outside of maybe going to a Duke or someplace you may be heralded more by ESPN. But for the most part, you're going to get everything yeah. you you want at Michigan State. Plus, you know, on the out the part that we I think forget oftentimes is there's player development, and you can say, well, what do players are what are they like going to the next level? Because all these players, I assume, especially the high ranked ones, they want to play in the NBA afterwards. And so what are mm -hmm. your chances of getting being successful in the NBA? Well, you've got a guy who's coached a number of players who've been successful in the NBA and and in some ways ones who were not expected to be successful in the NBA 
like a Draymond Green would be a great example, right? Someone who probably, so, yeah, right. And so there's and there's always recency bias we have in sports where we just we forget what happens. Like you said, five years ago, Michigan State fans right now are, um, you know, we've had two struggling years, and I wouldn't and struggling is kind of you know in air quotes by because, Michigan State by, by Michigan, Michigan State, State Sanders, yes, absolutely right because. Yes, we haven't made the Sweet 16. We haven't gotten out of the first weekend. Uh, but, you know, we're in the tournament. We've had it, weird years. But just a couple years before that, we were in the Final Four. So it's it's kind of as easy to sort of forget those things. And, and Tom Izzo is not a young man. And I think you're always wondering when the end is coming. Is the, you know, it right. has something happened. Michigan State fans saw D'Antonio and the program sort of slowly kind of just dwindle at the end a little bit in D'Antonio's era. And I think a good example I was hearing someone talk about with Izzo, you have not seen a recruiting drop off in the sense that you, you don't see a guy who looks like he's, you know, kind of just cashing his checks. And he's this guy. It seems to be out there traveling a ton, going to games all the time. He's recruiting as hard now as he ever was at from as far as you can tell. I mean, you know, from someone from the outside. Well, no, this, this is a really important point, specifically with Xavier Booker. Uh, I saw I saw an article and I'm forgetting the source off the top of my head. Somebody wrote today who seems like they were close to the recruitment, stated that the moment they thought this recruitment turned definitively in MSU's favor was a game this season, a big game for his high school, Indianapolis Cathedral, and he didn't score. He played poorly. Izzo was there to see it. And Izzo instead of backing away, which Booker himself said, his recruitment was really herky-jerky. Like, there were schools that were interested. Then he had a stretch where he didn't play so well, and a lot of interest dropped off. Then he started to play better. Schools got back in. That was not Michigan State. Michigan State was consistent in working hard on him all the way along. And this particular game, Izzo was there, and instead of backing away, you know, he told him, look, uh, we still want you. We still think you can you can be a great part of our program. Here's how you handle these situations. These are the things you can do. You know, he was coaching him, even though he didn't right. have him yet. And so all, that plus, you know, the fact that all along this spring and summer, Izzo, Izzo does this. I don't know if it's necessarily every year, but th- there often seems to be particular guys that he will lock in on and just be relentless in in showing up at their games. He's done this. The most famous one successfully was Shannon Brown, you know, forever ago. He That's what Shannon Brown stated specifically. He noticed every time he looked up, Tom Izzo was at one of his games. Um, he's done it sometimes and not been successful. Jabari Parker was an example of that. Uh, but for the most part, if he zeroes in on a guy and works them the way he worked Xavier Booker, Michigan State's got a really strong chance, and yeah. and it paid off here without question. To to go to the broader discussion, the point you were making a second ago, uh, you started to see from a lot of dummies this spring. Um, this I'm not going to mince words. I mean, these people are fucking morons, and I'll say it. And if you if you hear yourself in what I'm talking about, that's a you problem, not a me problem. You're a moron. <laughs> Uh, but you started to hear a lot of dummies making the comparison that you just raised. This whole, oh, end period D'Antonio. Um, that's always been 
ridiculous. And by the way, I, and, and this may not be a popular opinion, but Mark D'Antonio's last season, correct me if I'm wrong, was a winning season. They won a bowl game, right? I believe I so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, granted, I know it was not to the standards of three, four, five years before that, but they weren't two and 10, you know, now, now people say, well, yeah, but the next year would have been a disaster. Who the hell knows? I mean, I, I like the direction of the football program. Very happy with it. Oh, I think Mel Tucker's great. He feels like the right guy for the right moment, all of that. But even the D'Antonio thing I have always felt is a little bit much. Uh, from a lot of quarters, but whatever, be that as it may, whatever you think of that, that's not where Tom Izzo's at. If Tom Izzo is not doing the relentless recruiting thing, if Tom Izzo is not clearly working with his team with the same level of energy and focus and intensity that we co we've come to expect, okay, maybe he is kind of coming to the end of the path, but right now we haven't seen that. And if you needed this recruitment to uh, bolster your confidence, then we're not seeing it fine. You just got it. But I, I don't think any thinking aware people thought that to begin with. I thought it was st always stupid. Um, but here you go. You got your proof. I, I think if you, with, if you doubted it. And I think with Tom, I think we'll see on the court when he's ready to be done. Like, I think absolutely he, does, he strikes me as a kind of guy who's not going to fade. He'll just say, okay, I just can't, the work schedule's too much or there's some health issues or something I where I can't, where I can't do what I think I need to do to be successful because he's got his method his you know, the way he recruits, the way he coaches. And if he can't do that, I don't think he's the kind of person who's going to just sort of fade away. Like I was at university of Iowa, as you may know, that when Hayden Fry had left and there was no question those last few years, Hayden Fry was really tailing off. He was not, you know, right. the person he was before, but he was kind of going through the motions and you kind of use your assistant coach. It's football's different, but, uh, you know, I think those, those things are sort of evident. And so anyway, I, I, I think, um, and to our point many episodes ago too, you give Tom Izzo benefit of the doubt, unless you have some evidence that things are slipping and there's been no evidence aside from just some weird years of COVID that just kind of, you know, I'm. Yeah. The, the last two, the last two seasons have not been great. But if that's your evidence, you need <laughs> you need to do some work on your understanding of the sport. That's that's my two cents. Right. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I and and look, we're not going to know until we know until we see it. But if I had to lay bets on how it will go down, um, it will be uh, not something that was obvious that we can all point to and say, oh, yeah, the last six months. Like with D'Antonio, for example, the one thing I would agree with is I do think he looked, in retrospect, you can look back and say he looked a little tired during that last season. So, again, Monday morning quarterback, and you go back and say, well, yeah, we probably should have seen this coming. I don't know that I would expect that with Tom Izzo. Uh, I think it will – I think you're right. I think it will be that, that he will realize I don't have it in me to do the things that I know I have to do in order to win, to compete, and he'll and he'll leave. And it will not be on anybody else's timetable. It'll be on his. So whether that happens, you know, two years from now, five years from now, I 
I'm out of the guessing game on that. You know, I just, I think it's foolish uh, to try and, and think that you're going to get ahead of that when the man himself, I don't believe, has any idea at this point. I think the only thing we can say with certainty is that he sure doesn't look like he's done right now. No. That yeah. much I feel confident in. And where that goes and how long it stays that way, who the hell knows? Yeah, and I, I think it's probably safe to say, to your point, I don't think he probably knows when. I think he just will know when right. it when the time exactly. comes. Exactly. When it and, hits. Exactly. Yeah. There's no I don't I don't believe he's got like a five. Right. Yeah. I mean, like Jay Wright, I think Jay Wright probably didn't know that this was the time, but he got to that point. He's like, you know what? I think maybe this yep. is the time the game changes, right. whatever. And he's just like, you know, it's just time for me to kind of step out before, because I don't want to do it or whatever. I mean, I, who knows the reason for that. And that's, and that's the other thing too, it, which is worth mentioning is this idea that, Oh, Tom Izzo hates the portal. Tom Izzo hates NIL. He hates what the games become and that that's going to chase him out. I don't know, guys. He just landed a top five player. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, already had a guy in the fold who is a consensus top 50 guy and probably on the merits should be more like a top 20 guy in terms of how he's played the last four, four or five months. Um, doesn't look to me like he's being chased out. So, right. you know, and, that, and that's the thing. That's what accelerated a lot of this bullshit talk was the fact that he refused to get heavily in the portal this offseason. And, um, I, I, I think, I think that we've got a pretty good idea of how he views that and how he views roster composition, roster size, all of these kinds of things. He's, you may disagree. And we said this a number of times, you may disagree with how he perceives of this stuff and how he's approaching it, but don't say that he's lost. Don't say that it's just happenstance. There is an intent behind how he's going about this. I think that's pretty clear. Um, and it's clear that regardless of the impact of the portal, he is going to operate in such a way that the backbone of his teams are going to be based on high school players. That's the way he wants it. And that doesn't mean that he'll never take another transfer. I think he will. He might even take one this, this coming spring. Who the hell knows? But um, he wants the core of his thing to be guys that he can work with over multiple years. That's it. Now, Xavier Booker prop may not fall into that category, the multiple years part. But he does fall into the category, by all accounts, of the kind of kid that Tom Izzo wants to coach, meaning – he gets A pluses from everybody involved in terms of his coachability, his willingness to learn, the fact that he's not entitled. I mean, that's an added bonus when you've got a kid who was ranked outside of the top 100 by some people as recently as April. And now people are talking about him as a top 10. Well, he's not coming with a level of expectation or entitlement maybe that some other kids who have been ranked in that kind of stratosphere for four years might have, you know? So that's a good thing too. But he seems to be, to use the Izzo vernacular, he seems to be an OKG and our kind of guy uh, recruit. And that's a big deal because there are things, he's not a perfect player. There are things he's going to need to work on and get better at if he's going to be the best version of himself. 
Right. And I think, and I think to your point, it's the reason that high school recruits are so much better in some ways than transfers are that you, you have a lot of better opportunity to understand who these people are, right? Who the players are. You go through the transfer portal, you talk to another coach, maybe a couple of coaches recruited someone, maybe you recruited them in the past. Uh, but if not, you're kind of taking an unknown quantity. You don't know, you haven't met their family really. You don't get to, you don't have a good feel for sort of who they are yeah. sort of in whole. And with a high school kid, you've probably met all, met all those people and you know, and you've met the kid a lot more. So you just have a, I'm sure you have a better understanding of who they're going to be and what they're going to be than if somebody just get, comes in as a transfer. I, I think you're absolutely right about that. And I think that point is laid bare if you look at the transfers that Izzo has taken. All right. So Brandon Wood was not a guy MSU had any direct connections with, to my knowledge, but he was an Indiana kid. He was from Kokomo. He had played at Valpo, I suspect. And that was the first year of, um, of the portal. Right. So I suspect that Izzo felt like he got pretty good Intel on the kind of guy Brandon Wood was right. Upper Midwest kid. If I go back before that, Mike Chappelle, who transferred in from Duke, was a kid Izzo had recruited relentlessly and just missed on, finished second in the high school recruitment. That parallels a guy like Joey Hauser. Same scenario, much more recently, same scenario. Izzo recruited him very hard out of high school, just missed. When he hit the portal, well, that's a guy Izzo knows because he yeah. went through the whole process with him. Bryn Forbes brought in a Lansing kid. Izzo knew him pretty well. Uh, before he brought him in. Aaron Harris, MSU didn't recruit him, but he was an Indianapolis kid. Again, upper Midwest. I suspect that MSU felt pretty good about the intel that they had on who he was. Um, the one guy who maybe I can think of off the top of my head who didn't fit that category is the most recent one, Tyson Walker. Right. But I, I would say, I know, I know Izzo has a very good relationship with Tyson Walker's previous college coach, Bill Cohn. Um, they played Northeastern once during the, um, I want to say it was either during the Denzel, maybe during Denzel's senior year. I know MSU played Northeastern and um, they have a relationship. So that might've played a fact played into that. Uh, but by and large, if you look at the guys they brought in, they're guys with whom MSU has some reason to know who they are, which further goes to your point about the fact that he would prefer high school guys when he can get them because then that, that that's all part of the recruiting process. The getting to know you stuff is inherent in it. In the portal, you just don't have the time. You know, right. sometimes these guys are committing without even taking a visit, you know, because that's just how it is. So that's not going to ever be Izzo's preferred approach to building a roster. He's, I think we've got enough evidence to know that he wants to feel that he knows something about the kind of kid that he's bringing in. Uh, and so, you know, we're seeing that certainly with Booker, a guy he's been recruiting for a long time and has uh, an outstanding relationship with by all accounts. And, and that was the main reason why they landed him. Uh, the other important point here is, you know, we were looking at the transfer portal with the, at the five spot. That was a lot of discussion for a couple months before. Yeah. And, and I think now you can, you, 
for one thing, you don't know what would have happened had would he have been able to land Booker had he brought someone in, right? Who maybe plays a four, maybe plays a five, and you don't really know. And so does Booker want to come to a school like this? So, you know, that's a risk that you take bringing someone mm-hmm. in who you don't know whether to perform. But also, I think you can kind of see how Izzo looked at it. And again, we can, well, we don't know what'll happen, but he's like, I've got Kohler, I've got Sissoko, and I've got this Cooper who is, and I've, at that time he had Marble. He's like, well, if Marble doesn't, if I can't convince him to stay, I can bring Cooper instead of a red shirt. He'll be, my, and we'll just kind of figure things out. And I think he probably felt he had enough. And I think there's, there is, you have that, you have to have that awareness of what you're going to do if you bring someone in, what's that going to do to your current composition, right? Because now people just, you, <laughs> to your point on the bulletin board many times is just because someone comes, you're like, you don't get them for four years. You assume they're going to stay there, but that is yep. not as uh, not as safe an assumption as it may have been in the past, even if someone is a four-year project. You have to, you have to think of your roster as a year-to-year proposition. That's just the reality of it. The only difference between this and AAU is that in AAU you can switch teams mid-season. You can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that yet in college. I mean, our our friend Jack Ebling had an interesting take on that a few episodes back, which if you haven't listened to that, you should. Um, where he talked about things he's heard through the grapevine that maybe even that might not be uh, off the table at some point in the near future. So we'll see. But for now, that's the only difference. Otherwise, it's the same thing. It's year to year. Um, and you're right about roster composition, the effect of bringing guys in, not just even on the team that year, but what impact it might have a year later. You know, now now someone could say, well, MSU could have focused on a guy, on a fifth-year guy who only had one more year of eligibility anyway, so it wouldn't impact Booker. Okay, maybe. But that does change the pool of available talent. <laughs> right, yeah. And, you know, so I don't know. In any event, they, they got their guy. But I think we should talk about him as a player a bit. So you can you can, you can could surmise there are clear strengths if a guy is ranked where Xavier Booker is. And, and I would say the biggest clear strength is – his combination of size, athletic ability, fluidity, in terms of the way he moves, in terms of the way he can handle the ball, and then overall shot-making ability. Xavier Booker is, at 6'11", a three-point threat, a legit three-point threat. Uh, he is a floor stretcher, yet... If you watch clips, you watch game footage that's out there, this is a guy who at the same time can face you up and blow by you off the dribble. And it's not one of these, you know, I'm trying to think of guys. Moritz Wagner. Okay, Moritz Wagner at a certain point in his career was enough of a threat from three that teams had to kind of respect him. And then he would sometimes dribble past him. But it was never fluent. Yeah. And, and he doesn't do that as easily in the NBA, obviously. This kid, it's there. You can see clips of him in transition where he looks as fluid as any small forward. And yet he's 6'11 with a 7'5 wingspan. So he's going to be a problem for people to defend because of that combination of what he can do, that he's a legitimate shooting threat. And yet if you're pressing up on him, 
you may have a real problem keeping him away from the rim because he can go by most people. And certainly most foremen are going to have a hard time, I think, athletically uh, staying in front of him. So offensively, man, it's it's the full package. He's got a decent low post game. I think that's something they want to improve. Uh, he needs to get a little stronger. He's about 215. I would guess they'd probably like to see 10 more, 10 to 15 more pounds on him of good weight. That's just a guess. Um, but that's one thing that he probably needs to work on his strength. On the other positive end, he's got a 7'5 wingspan. So yeah. we're in Jaron Jackson, Marcus Bainham territory. And so I think immediately, at the very least, he should be a very, very good help side deterrent as a rim protector. Is anybody with his kind of athletic ability and his kind of length, it's hard to imagine that he's not going to pick up some shot blocks on the weak side. You know, that's just, that's a guess, but I think it's a pretty safe guess. The negatives, as I understand it, would be um, the two primary ones, <clears throat> both of which, if you're going to play Michigan State, they can't be weak. They don't necessarily have to be your strengths, but they can't be weak. One would be his attention to detail and motor defensively. He's got all the physical tools. You, When you read scouting reports or you watch him, you can see, oh, this is a guy who should be able to switch one through five. He's got the tools to do it. But I think the attention to detail – and the intensity and the focus on that end of the floor is not quite where it would need to be. Um, but he's going to the right program to correct that. And I, I suspect that he will get a crash course in what Michigan State requires of a four or a five. I think he'll play four almost exclusively at MSU because of the guys that got at the five. But uh, assuming they all come back. But uh, – but you still, you, you, the tools are there. It's a question of does he have an understanding and does he have, uh, does he put the effort in, play with the kind of required intensity to do it? And I think Michigan State is a great place to figure that out. The other weakness, which goes along with that, is rebounding. You consistently hear that he doesn't rebound as well as you feel like a guy his size should. And again, that's something that I would suspect. Michigan State is going to be working overtime to light a fire within him to improve. Um, and I expect he will improve. But those would be the things that if you're if you're looking for um, reasons why he might not play at the level that people normally expect of a top five recruit, those would probably be the things if they don't improve as much as we'd like to see. That might mean that depending upon who else MSU has, um, maybe he doesn't play quite as much as you might think. His offensive game and, and his tools would suggest, even as a freshman, probably a 25-minute-a-night guy, uh, especially if we can assume that MSU loses both of the four men on their roster currently. So there would be a, a, a total opening, a clear path. I suspect he's going to get close to that. I really do. Um, but time will tell it again. He's not a perfect player. There are things that have to be improved upon, but the fact that he willingly chose to come to a place like Michigan state 
suggests to me that his mindset and the mindset of those around him is where it needs to be. Because I guarantee you, he's been told by Michigan State over and over, hey, you got to rebound better. You're going to need to be more consistent defensively and work harder if you're going to play here. I guarantee you those messages have been have been um, disseminated to him. And so uh, that's encouraging, the fact that that stuff did not lead him to you know, choose to, let's say, go play for Notre Dame where all Mike Bray cares about is offense. He can go jack up shots and not check anybody. You know, he came here. And you saw that, uh, at least I saw an interview with Jaron Jackson recently where he was talking about Izzo during the recruitment process where, you know, Izzo there at pretty much every game. And he come up to Jaron, even, even when he had a good game, Izzo was there criticizing, critiquing what he was doing and things he had to improve yep. on. And, and Jackson was saying, boy, you know, I kind of was, made me angry that I thought I had a good game or something. And this guy's come up saying, you know, you got to do this, that, the other thing. And then he's realizing, Oh, actually that's, that's really helpful because, and that's what leads to success later on. Right. I mean, like you have to have people who are see more potential than what you even, what you've achieved yet. And then yeah, that's what a coach is, right? You make you, make you better, I, a better person and a better, you know, player. There have been some recruitments over the years. The most recent one that really, well, there were two of them that really got to me on that basis were there, there were a couple of guys in that 2000, um, I guess it must've been the 2019 uh, cycle, Vernon Carey and Isaiah Stewart and Vernon Carey, both of those guys. Now Isaiah Stewart, his defense has ended up proving to be a guy with a lot of defensive potential in the NBA. But he looked like that to me. I, I, I still thought it would have been better for him to come to a Michigan State instead of go to Washington where he was hidden in his zone and didn't have to work at all on improving. Um, but at least I knew from watching him in high school, he's got the physical tools to do this. And sure enough, that's borne out in the NBA. But Vernon Carey really did himself a disservice, in my opinion, by going to Duke because Mike Krzyzewski has not been about that. Mike Krzyzewski basically will do what he thinks he has to do in a given season to try to win games, which is fine. That's, you know, that's defensible. That's his primary job is to win games. But oftentimes, especially late in his career, he would do things like play heavy zone or with his big man, shack a lot of coverages, not really ask them to defend pick and roll the way a Michigan state demands that you do it. And I think a kid like Vernon Carey had real issues with that. You could see it in high school. Wow. This is an area he's going to have to work at to get better. And I think if he had spent a year at, in Michigan state's program, I don't know whether he would be, you know, he's kind of barely hanging on in the NBA right now. I don't know where he'd be. That's a, that's a, you know, an impossible case to make with any precision. Would he be better? But personally, I think he would have had a better chance because Tom Izzo would have demanded that he play defense. He wouldn't have hidden him because that's not what MSU does. Um, so for that's why I was saying for a kid like Xavier Booker, when you look at his weaknesses, man, he's he's showing some maturity in my opinion in the decision making process by choosing to go someplace where it is going to be demanded of him that he gets better, just as it was demanded of Jaron Jackson that he gets better. You know, and and sometimes kids MSU is recruited in the end have 
in my opinion, taken an easy way out and gone someplace where they're not going to be challenged that way. They're not going to be developed the way they probably need to be, even if they're only a one-year player. Doing one year in Michigan State's program is going to help you more than one year in late period Mike Krzyzewski's program if you have some issues defensively and you need to get better at that. And that's just, that's the truth. So it's smart on in Xavier Booker's part, in my opinion, to be, to have made this call. Well, super exciting to get Xavier Booker. It was, uh, again, it was expected in th- the last week or so that that was going to happen. And so it's nice that it turned out. And I was telling you before we went on that this is the first one I've actually watched live. <laughs> and I thought, whoa, I actually mm-hmm. got a little bit nervous for the few seconds. I'm like, oh, I guess I'm not 100% sure he's going to put that hat on. So anyway, I'm sure, I'm sure the coaching staff's like that too, right? They, you never know. It's kids 17 years old, right? The crazy things happen. So you, let, you never know. <laughs> let's, let's move on to <clears throat> now we've got Jeremy Fears. We've got, Xavier Booker for the 2023 class commitments. So let's move on. There are a couple more targets for Michigan State. The next one would be Devin Royal, who came out with his top three. I think it was yesterday, Friday. And I, right. he's from kid from Ohio. And our, our expectation when we were talking before is that it was going to be Ohio State, Michigan State, and I think we thought Penn State. And it turned out it was right. Nate Oates. Alabama. And Nate Oates. Yeah. The Sabermetrics guy yeah. from basketball who, who ended yeah. up the top three. But I guess in some ways from what it sounds like, well, you got to have someone as third. And so, but they may not be, they may be a distant right. third, right? Yeah. I think everybody has, has kind of understood that this was a Michigan state, Ohio state thing for a while now. And the inclination seems to be Ohio state. Now I think until, until you see the decision, you know, you never know, but um, that seems to be the way that it's headed. And, I think that's that's buttressed by the fact that MSU has two additional kids who we'll talk about in a second um, on campus this weekend on visits, on official visits, who were not on the radar, at least not in a public sense. Right. We're not on the radar up until now. So that further suggests that, yeah, probably Devin Royal is Columbus bound, or, which means he's staying home since he's from Columbus. Um it's it's unfortunate because I really like him as a player. Um, he's a very efficient guy, you know, six seven, maybe two ten, two fifteen ish. Seems like he can sort of play the way a Raymar Morgan did, you know, fifteen years ago, where um, he can play four and he can play on the wing some too. Uh, you know, reasonably good shooter. He's strong. Uh, can go off the dribble. They like his potential defensively, like him as, you know, it was a rebounder. He put up, had some very big games um, toward the end of his uh, AAU run this year, uh, which we talked about in the last episode, I think. So I'm not trying to poo-poo it. It's, it's unfortunate they don't get him because he would have been a really nice addition. You know, I, I think that Michigan State, when you look at what they're doing, with bringing these other two guys in and then obviously Devin Royals kid, they've been recruiting for a couple months. They've decided. And I think if you look at the roster, it makes sense that they probably need to add one more guy in that six, five, six, 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 seven range to this team. When you bring in Booker, as I mentioned, I have to believe he's going to be a four man pretty much exclusively at MSU. So that's good. They've got one guy. They probably need another guy because right now, if you look at the perimeter group, it's 
uh, Pierre Brooks, who's got size at 6'6 and is strong. But after him, it's Jaden Akins at 6'3. It's uh, Holloman at 6'2. Hogard's like 6'3. Tyson Walker's six feet, maybe. Uh, Jeremy Fears is six feet, 6'1 when he comes in next year. So they're a little short on in-between guys. And you do want some in-between guys. I like, we've talked about it a lot recently. I love the fact that Izzo is prioritizing a lot of guys who can handle the ball, who, who are natural point guards. That I think is a good thing. But you do need to have some answers with a little more size who can nevertheless maybe give you some perimeter minutes and maybe even help out at the four a little bit. So that's the thought process here. It seems pretty clear to me that they're intent on adding at least one and who knows, maybe two uh, guys who are fit that mold. Royal would have been one. Doesn't look like they're going to get him, but we'll see. It, it seems to me like that one's on a pretty fast track to a decision. I wouldn't be surprised if we know where things are at with him, you know, by some point this coming week. Uh, since he, as you said, he had he had cut it to a final three. Um, I'm not sure that there's much reason to wait around uh, on that and uh, and not make a call. So I wouldn't be surprised if that gets decided soon. Well, and it is true that you can't get everyone you want, right? You can't. Right, so, and they missed. Yeah. Look, they've missed on you know even in a recruiting class that's that's as good as this one. You know, there have been a few guys that they expressed an interest in and for one reason or another, you know, at least with Royal, they got in there. They were, they were competitive in that one and they had a real shot at it. Um, but you don't get everybody, you know, Duke doesn't get everybody. Kentucky doesn't get everybody. Contrary to popular opinion, they miss on guys. Hey, I mean, Duke offered Xavier Booker, right? Yeah. They didn't get him. Michigan state got him, which by the way, should be noted. Um, I mean, it's not Coach K, but uh, I believe. You know, I'm not. I'd have to go back to make sure of this, but I believe that makes Izzo one and one versus John Shire. He lost Jaden Shoot to him last season, but getting Xavier Booker means he's one and one, which, on a percentage basis, is a massive improvement over what the tally was against Mike Shashevsky. So let's talk about this new player that is in the fold. It's Garrick Norman. He's a player from Texas, and he just is completing his official visit to Michigan State this weekend. Yeah. Um, the, these next two guys, and Norman is the first one we're going to talk about, really, in terms of public information about them, came out of nowhere. Uh, you can rest assured that that's not entirely the case. Uh, in, in Norman's case... Uh, he plays on the same AAU circuit as Xavier Booker. And in fact, they played against each other recently. So I think it's reasonable to surmise that uh, Michigan State saw him. They probably had seen him before, but they they definitely saw him during one of these last couple live weekends where, you know, Tom Izzo was glued to Xavier Booker. And obviously they liked what they saw enough to make an offer. Um as you mentioned, he was on an official to Michigan State this weekend. By all accounts, uh, it seems to have gone well. We'll we'll find out in the next few days, I think, what that means. Um, but but this is what was interesting to me about it. Before we get into what he's like as a player, uh, 
uh, he has a bunch of offers from high majors and had taken four officials. So his officials were, and I'm working from memory here, Missouri. Um, the, the, two, the two big ones seem to be Texas and, uh, and Wisconsin. And Texas, because he happens to be from Texas, I don't think I'd mention that. Uh, Wisconsin, obviously, being out of region. And that happened in June. And it appears, from what I could find, I was able to find a little information out on that, that the perception was that visit went extremely well. And I think Wisconsin seemed to have some confidence that he may be a guy they can get. Um you know, remains to be seen whether uh, Texas is the only local school that he took a visit an official to. So uh, remains to be seen whether that matters. But he's quoted in the Wisconsin post visit stuff as saying he, you know, the old line about I, I, I'll go away from home. I don't care uh, wherever, wherever the fit is best, blah, blah, blah. But in this case, that may be true. So the Wisconsin visit happened in late June. And there had been a thought process that he would make a decision sometime in July. Well, that clearly did not happen. And not only did he not make a decision, but he's ended up adding Michigan State. Now, he took the official without yet having an offer. They offered him while he was on the official, but that's semantics. I'm sure he was told, if you come and you visit, we're going to offer you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming that's how it went down, but, um, that's interesting because I, if I were particularly a Wisconsin fan, I don't think I'd be very enthused with how this has gone. And, (laughs) and we've, we've been on the other side of this on occasion, but I think sometimes the, um, the downer types in the Michigan state fan base seem to believe that this kind of thing only happens to Michigan state. It doesn't. Michigan State does it to other people. You only have to go as far back as Jackson Kohler's recruitment last year, where MSU had been on a kid who ended up at Michigan, Terrace Reed, for a long time. He ended up picking Michigan. And then immediately after, might have even been like a week after that was announced, MSU had offered Kohler, scheduled him for a visit, and they wrapped up the recruitment short order. Iowa had been on him for at least a year and they were selling him, you know, come be the next Luca Garza, which, you know, would be a compelling message for a a kid like Kohler. And there were other schools involved too, other high majors. And MSU just kind of swooped in and took him. And I'm not saying for sure, because I don't know enough to know whether that's the case here, but it might be. It has that kind of appearance or with both these guys we're going to discuss, um, at least on the surface. Again, remains to be seen if that's the case. But, you know, again, for the poor mouthers, Michigan State does this to people, too. Um, And there are very few schools that can do it to Michigan State. You know, the one that I think people were worried about in this cycle was Xavier Booker with all those offers, especially the one from Duke that he got. you know, maybe it was May or early June that those offers came in. I think some of MSU fans were really, really worried about that. And I get it. But um, 
you know, Duke and maybe Kentucky are the two schools that you'd worry about doing that to Michigan State. You know, probably the only two that are capable of doing it. But MSU does it to other people, too. And this might be both of these recruitments we're talking about might be situations where that may, in fact, happen. And so then let's look at Garrick as a player. Uh, yeah. What I guess I've seen a number of comparisons, previous Michigan State players. What, when you've watched little clips and things, what do you get? What's your impression with him and what sort of things does he bring to the team? I'm, I'm going to make the really easy one, but I make it because... It, I really do think it makes sense. I see a lot of Matt McQuaid in him. And again, that might strike you as lazy because we're talking about a white 6'5 guard from Texas. <laughs> but if you look at the clips of him, it makes some sense. Looks to be a very good shooter. I, you know, it highlight clips every shot goes in. So I'm not sure if he's a dead eye, 45% kind of guy, or if he's just a good shooter, but he's clearly at least a good shooter and maybe better than that. Who knows? Um, the reason that I, I land on a McQuaid comparison though, is not only does he have that ability, but he's got two other things that Matt had. He looks to be a very good athlete, not, not a miles bridges, but a very good athlete. Matt McQuaid, which, you know, people may have snuck up on some people. Matt McQuaid was a very good athlete. Um, if you need an example of it, go rewatch that Elite Eight game against Duke where he hangs suspended midair and flips the ball over his head without looking at the rim for a bucket. That was an athletic play. Uh, <laughs> Garrick Nor Norman can looks to me like he can do those kinds of things too. So that's another comparison point. But the big one is... I've seen some evidence that this kid really has a good handle and good passing instincts. And that was something that Matt had as well. You know, people may forget Matt actually played a little bit of backup point guard at MSU. I, I actually felt during his career, there were two things that I thought um, were underutilized. One maybe was more on Michigan State. The second was maybe more on Matt. And that was his passing ability. Because I thought he had outstanding vision and um, his ability to drive to the rim and get things done as a penetrator as opposed to simply a perimeter shooter. Um, it looks to me like Garrett Norman has a similar kind of court vision. And that's a big deal that, you know, he's he's not a point guard. At, certainly not at the Michigan State level, but again, if you're going to add another perimeter guy who can handle, who can see the floor, who's willing to give it up, create for teammates, that fits right in with what MSU was clearly putting together in their perimeter group. So I really like all of those elements. The one advantage I think he may have on Matt is he looks a little more solid physically. His game reminds me of McQuaid, but he looks maybe a little more like another 6'5 white blonde guy in the recent MSU uh, annals of history, uh, Kyle Lawrence. I think he's more closer to Matt in terms of his play style, but he seems to look a little more physically solid. Matt obviously played a lot as a freshman, um, so it's not like he wasn't ready for the Big Ten but you weren't sure about that heading into his freshman season with this kid. I looked at him and I figure if you dropped him in tomorrow, he'd probably be okay physically. And then I guess the, the last thing I would say about him is the intangibles from what I hear. Uh, 
are a similar point with uh, of comparison with Matt McQuaid too. Matt McQuaid had an edge to him. Now it wasn't the kind of you know Grayson Allen edge where he's out there tripping guys and looking to fight or whatever, but but Matt McQuaid had a cockiness to him. Matt McQuaid believed in himself. Yeah, people may forget because it's a long time ago, but the first game of his college career in the Champions Classic, he hit a huge three to kind of end the game and a win over Kansas. People remember Denzel because he had a huge game statistically, but Matt McQuaid hit the biggest shot, and that was his first game. Now, you know, his confidence kind of ebbed and flowed over the rest of his career, but he came into Michigan State as a guy who had that kind of edge. And the word on Garrett Norman is similar, that he has a lot of self-belief, not, not you know, nutty or irritating kind of uh, self-confidence, but a lot of self-belief. He he knows that he's a good player. And um, that's, a, that's a nice trait to have. You want that. So there's a lot to like here. Uh, we'll, as I said, we'll find out over the next few days where MSU seems to sit and if it's realistic that they're really, really in this. But um, if they are, I think it could be a, a great solution. And, you know, again, the nice thing about him and the nice thing about the next guy we'll talk about is Michigan State doesn't have anybody who fits their mold of players. They don't have anybody like Eric Norman right now who's a true, you know, uh, longer wing type who can shoot has some versatility to him, presumably has defensive versatility. But we, we've been talking a lot in recent weeks about how Izzo is loading up on guys who play the point. And if you look at the roster right now, you know, you, I'm projecting the next year, the, the theoretical roster they could have if everybody came back in the backcourt. Yeah, you have uh, Pierre Brooks at 6'6", and, you know, about 215, 220. He's a solid, bigger guy. After that, Jaden Akins at 6'3", um, A.J. Hogard at 6'2", Trey Holloman at 6'2", um, Tyson Walker, maybe six feet, Jeremy Fears, maybe 6'1". They don't have a guy like this. So that's why it would be nice to add somebody like him. Absolutely. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to, to follow developments on his recruitment. And then to your, to your uh, earlier point, we've got another guy coming in who came in official visit as well this weekend as they sort of going, uh, another person who had been completely off the radar as far as Michigan State fans, it'd be Cohen Carr from Georgia. Yeah, um, from Georgia, plays at a prep school in South Carolina, uh, 6'7", about 220. And when you watch his clips, it is very obvious what the selling point is athleticism he is a crazy athlete he he reminds me again going for a michigan state comparison he reminds me a lot in terms of his his body and his athletic ability of bj dawson he, and, and he is going to be a four man it seems to me from what i see uh at the next level you know not reportedly a great shooter but man, he will get things done inside because <laughs> he's strong and he's violently, explosively <laughs> athletic. So this is it, it very much is in that Brandon Dawson kind of mold where, you know, when he dunks, it's it gets people out of their seat because it's violent. Um, 
I would assume based on his body, again, his body type and his athletic ability that they would see the potential for him to be an effective rebounder and probably an effective defensive player, a guy that like Brandon Dawson could, could switch, you know, that you're not, you're not giving up much defensively, even if the opponent is playing a lot of pick and roll. Um, so I, a distinct player from Norman, they're two very different kind of guys, even though they're not too dissimilar size wise, but again, MSU has a need here. I think, uh, if we presume that well, Joey Hauser's definitely done after this year and Malik Hall could be. So if we presume that both guys go, that's a couple of spots at the four. Now they now have Xavier Booker who will be a four man. I think Pierre Brooks could play four if he had to. So if they don't add anybody else, he's probably your other option there unless they go into the portal. Uh, but, I think the reason they're recruiting Carr is they'd like to have another option there. And boy, he, he looks like a guy that with some time could be a monster in some ways. Uh, so very intriguing. His, his highlights definitely got a lot of Michigan state people excited when it got out there that he was on the radar um, talk. So that's his game talking about his recruitment, you know, again, kind of a, kind of a, a weird one. Um, not weird, but that it, there may be signs that Michigan State has a good shot here, despite the lateness of their interest. So he officially visited Clemson back last Halloween. So that's a long time ago. And then in March, he visited Indiana. Indiana under Mike Woodson uh, really has recruited everywhere. I mean, there there's definitely not a um, – an upper Midwest folk. This is not Bob Knight redux by any means. <laughs> he seems to be going all over the place. So maybe not a shock that they're in on a, a kid from the South. Um, but his two most recent visits, he took one in June to Vanderbilt and then he took one last weekend to Tennessee. Now the Tennessee visit, I would think is a serious one because it's not too far from where he's from and where he plays and if you look at what's happened with that program since Rick Barnes came in, you know, it's gone very, very well. I mean, they've won a lot. Rick Barnes has recruited at a high level. Um, you know, so you can understand the attraction for a guy from that part of the country to Tennessee. But he scheduled this visit to Michigan State. I would imagine that we're going to find that they extended an official offer to him. I would I would be surprised if they don't. Um, and then we'll just have to see. Uh, so really no clue yet as to where Michigan State might sit in that pecking order. But if you're Tennessee and all the other schools involved, you're probably not thrilled about the Michigan State visit. Um <laughs> You know, again, Tennessee's a real, become a really, really good program under Rick Barnes. But, um, you know, Michigan State would be a school that would give you some pause because they can sell some things. Tennessee's got some things to sell, too. Plus, again, they're they're a regional school for this guy. But, you know, you're not thrilled if you're Rick Barnes by this. I, I can't imagine any other scenario than that, that he's not so happy to see this occur but we'll see what happens i'm always excited to see kids from the south come up and visit michigan in july absolutely you're like oh god it's not i'm not 
I can breathe. I'm not dying of heat exhaustion. And then, you know, then they find out what the winter's like. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and obviously we have not seen anybody recently. I'm trying to think who's uh, Chris Allen's the one that always comes to my mind that is a got from the South, but not a lot of other guys. There've been some Texans lately, Matt McQuaid, Julius Marble, um, but not, not the deep South. Um, uh, Josh Langford, I guess would be yeah. the one. Can't right. forget him. So Chris Allen and Josh Langford, but um, it's not an area where you see Michigan state typically active. They will once in a while. Um, but, uh, but usually it's somebody like, um, Josiah James, who plays for Tennessee, is the son of a former Michigan State player. So a few recruiting cycles ago, MSU got involved with him. He's the son of an MSU alum. So that made some sense. But uh, but typically you don't see this kind of involvement. So there must have been something. I can see what it is in his game that they like. That's fairly obvious. But there must be some reason why they believed it was worth bringing them in on an official and, you know, and, and looking, you know, kicking the tires to see if it's a recruitment they can get involved in. Yeah. It's well, and I think, you know, if you're Wisconsin, Tennessee, you're probably not, you're obviously not happy about this sort of thing. It's like you said, it's just like, it's like do come in and just at the last minute swooping in and it's always a risk. And I'm sure those programs are a lot more uncomfortable about the situation than they would have been a couple weeks ago. Exactly. And I think, you know, just again, on paper, without knowing anything else, um, the Norman recruitment where Wisconsin got the last visit and seemed to feel like they were sitting in a good spot, they probably got a little more reason to be concerned because um, they're also an out of region school for the kid. So he's clearly demonstrating that you know, he may be willing to put his money where his mouth is and leave anywhere close to home. Um, Tennessee being a regional school, the way they are for car might be a different equation. I don't know. It's at least at the very least, you can say that they have a card they can play in that recruitment that Michigan state can't match, which is that if the other recruitment is in fact, Wisconsin, Michigan State, which I don't know that it is, but it kind of looked that way to me. If it is that, Wisconsin has no advantages. That's really a straight up recruitment. And Wisconsin's a really good program. And maybe he'd like the fit better there for whatever reason, blah, blah, blah. But boy, the majority of occasions, you would feel like Michigan State stacks up pretty well in that comparison. Yeah, I don't know if he can be sold as, hey, you can be the next Brad Davison. Right. <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned that. I believe, if I remember correctly, the article I read about that visit, he met Brad Davidson and talked to him. So they, they were probably, <laughs> who knows if that's a, you, you wouldn't think that would be a sales pitch, but. Yeah, he maybe he got know. tripped going into the, the uh, film room or something. <laughs> right, right. Well, and I had said, I didn't think you, you know, I didn't have the impression it was any kind of Grace and Allen stuff, but then again, you know, with his intensity, but then again, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, and and it's always tough as fans, right? You don't know what Brad Davidson might be a really great guy off the court. Oh, I think yeah. he is. Yeah, right. I think he is. I think that's the <laughs> general consensus. But, you know, we saw five years of that nonsense on the court. Enough's enough. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll keep our eyes glued to the recor- uh, recruiting news because I think we're going to probably get more news in the next 
few weeks or at least month. And as things start wrapping up, we'll also be starting a Big Ten previews in a couple weeks. And we've got some uh, another really big announcement will be coming out probably next show. We'll talk about what that is for everyone. Until next time, the Final Four is not on the schedule. Go Green. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.